So how did you even come up with this design for a Frankenhole? Like, obviously, you've got some good people that work for you, but what was the thought process he going? He gave his operators six-packs. Yeah, but <laughs> what was the thought process going? We just need to expand the tracks 35 feet and put on an extra stick. Like, how did you come up with this for Yeah, it feels like the there situation? should be some engineering involved in that. Well, there is, and we, we found an engineer, a structural engineer. We explained to him what we wanted to do and the dimensions we had to have, and uh, and he designed it out and we had it double checked by another engineer and and we went with it so it's cool did it avoid the warranty with cat <laughs> that's true <laughs> well this one's past warranty anyways so. okay there you go it was the hoe that we could we could afford to lose <laughs> yeah. but it's not like we just went went out back and went hey remember that bridge we took down and you know, 1982. Yeah. Let's, we got a couple beans left, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Get in the salvage yard. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but oddly it, enough, when we put it up on those beams, it, it of course raised the height of the machine, mm -hmm. which required more depth. You know, that's what, what required the third stick. Yeah. Interesting. That is just wild, though, because the construction people are so freaking smart resourceful you know what yeah. i mean they're so creative with everything and you can't go to school to learn this you can't just go get a book yeah and read how right. to solve this we problem macgyvering exactly yeah. yeah we are like that's perfect we are the macgyvers yeah. in the construction industry i love it yeah it, it's solving problems is is just an amazing thing it's first nature. It, is. it just creates such camaraderie too mm -hmm. well i was about to say if you've especially if you've got a culture that encourages people thinking outside the box it is an absolute blast to tackle a large problem like that as a team start bouncing ideas that start off a little crazy and then you start getting them all dialed in and then the next thing you know you have a frankenhoe that no one else <laughs> has and no one else has seen before as a that's awesome and the, the the guy i was just as i said i was down there yesterday talking to the guys that are, you know, in the trench, the laborers that are in the trench, the operators that are doing the work, they're just beside themselves with the opportunity to, to be there and do that work. Oh, absolutely. I'm jealous. I want to come out and guest operate that thing. That's yeah. that thing's nuts and you're never going to see another one in your lifetime, probably. That's likely true. In fact, that's I did say that to one of the guys yesterday. I said, you may never be on a, these are young guys, right? These guys are 20, 22. Sure. You guys may never be on another project like this in your life. Yeah. It's, that's just, that's, and that's kind of the cool thing about those kind of projects outside of the Frank and Ho itself. When you get on a, a really unique project like that, I feel like in the trades, that's where we all kind of really relish that this is a once in a lifetime opportunity, especially on a project like what you guys are doing. Once it's all buried over, no one's going to appreciate what's down there except for the guys that built it. Yeah. Right. So people are going to flush the toilet, and they're not going to they're not going to ruminate on, uh, you know, where it's going. Yeah, the yeah. infrastructure in place. It was funny though. We were just talking about they it can last swim night. In peace, you know, yes. knowing that there's not shit flowing exactly, in the water yeah, tomorrow. Exactly, we yeah. were just talking about it last night though, about how complicated and complex the sewer system is that the American people don't even know. Yeah, yeah. Right. it goes in design so you could flush your toilet instead of shitting in a bucket outside the house. Yeah, yep. right. So. And families don't sit around the table, you know, and the dad, you know, the nuclear family, the dad doesn't go, boy, you know, we're awful fortunate to have that crew out there. 
pipes in the ground. So right. when you go in there and take a shit, yes, it goes somewhere. It, it goes somewhere. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and on that note, I you know I know we had a plumber on yesterday, so it's just yeah, we, yeah, talking. we've been down this this a little bit, and and it's crazy. I I knew the infrastructure was in place, and and I knew in theory the size of the infrastructure, but one of the most re- the biggest revelations I had, I was working on a job in downtown Detroit and one of the laborers popped one of the manholes for the sanitary. And we were, I, I want to say we were only about five or 10 miles from the treatment plant. And you look down there and it is a raging river. Oh, yeah. It's it's not like oh, yeah. a little sanitary, like this was a 72 inch or something. I mean, it was just you, if you fell Don't down fall there, in. you'd be gone. Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. incredible. And yet, here's this river flowing underneath a busy street that nobody knows exists. Yep. Well, those sewers down there in Detroit are a little over outdated, too. Well, that's true, wow. too. We were, we were down there, God, 10, 12, no, 14 years ago when we were doing, like, Rebuild Detroit. Yep. And we had to, we were doing all these sewer tie-ins, taps, running them out to the new houses. And when we cord into this one fucking sewer line, was it it looked like old faithful dude. This geyser just comes yeah. running out gushing. The guy across the alley comes back out and he's like, man, I don't know what you did, but you just fixed my basement, man. It's been flooded <laughs> for three years. I've been calling the city. And I'm just like, we're, we're backfilling it. Like we got to abort, dude. <laughs> but yeah, the sewer system is a very complex, especially just when you get into the high pressure mains. Yeah. It's, it's really fun when you, when you get an opportunity to, to dapple in the live sewer. Yeah. In in a sense. <laughs> it, 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 takes, it takes a special breed. Yes. To play it, and shit. It does. So my my introduction into sewer work, I was 16 years old. I was laboring on a crew here, just going to Bangor, Maine. And, you know, I'm the boss's son, right? So and b- before I go into the store, you know, when some, you're helping somebody out of a boat, you reach out and offer them a hand, right, to give them a tug up. Yeah, I'm in this. I'm in this trench, and the uh, the the uh, operator Otis, old guy, about five feet tall, uh, is running a Cat 225, and all of a sudden he hits this something, and his teeth rake up against it, and smoke is coming out, and I'm in the hole trying to look at it and see what it was, and we were only about five feet deep, and he he goes get out of the way, so I get out of the way, and he hits it's a concrete septic tank that was full. Oh, oh yeah, oh. and I'm in the hole. Oh, so I run to the back of the hole in the foreman Reggie. I got Otis and Reggie, by the way, uh, two great <laughs> construction names. Reggie reaches down and says, "Grab my hand, boss." And I reached up to grab his hand, and he pulled it back. And I, so I, of course, I had all my weight on him, and I fell backwards into the hole. Oh, all that tank oh. full of shit. <laughs> I was I was underwater. Completely. Oh, ooh, nothing like taking a bath. <laughs> People pay big for those mud baths. That that was my welcome into the business. Yes, yeah. most, most mud people baths would go the other way. Corn, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, I had a couple couple sewer rats, man. That were just phenomenal what they did, and we tied in down, downtown Detroit the one time, and it filled up. And I think I came to work that day hungover, and it was like eight in the morning, and I look over there and. I'm like, whoo, you know, I could smell and all yep. the shit was coming out. And Mario goes, hey, Rick, amigo. And he looks at me and he goes, look at this breakfast. And there's a piece of corn floating oh. out. Oh. He sticks his tongue down, dude, like he's going to eat it. Man, I lost it, dude. I puked <laughs> all over the fucking place. 
That's <laughs> awesome. You're just gonna love construction workers. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We it's it's a different sense of humor. It's you laugh through some of the situations it's because a if you life. don't, you're just gonna be angry at life. <laughs> yeah, you have to. Yes. Yes. So switching gears a little bit, um, you guys have Sergeant Academy. Could you tell people who are unfamiliar with that kind of what that program is and then what what made you guys what decide to pursue Sergeant that? Sergeant Academy. Yeah. Yeah. So back in 2015, the the economy was beginning to kind of rekindle. And through, let's say, 10, 11, 12, we didn't do much recruiting. Mm-hmm. In fact, our company was like a football team that didn't go to the draft for four years. Yeah. What would you be if you didn't go to the draft for four years? On the fifth year, you might still be okay. The sixth year, maybe. But seven, eight, nine years, it's not going to be pretty. Yeah, you're about to lose to Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah. So we, uh, I said, we don't need to hire 100 people. If we can just, you know, in a year, if we can hire 100, 120 people over the next six or eight years, and, you know, begin to backfill retirees and people that leave by attrition. That's going to be a great thing. And if we can actually get them to come in and teach them how to do things our way. So we established a six-week course that uh, we took some very seasoned people that are in our company and, and moved them into roles where they, where they were the managers and trainers on that. And we put those people up in a local university for six weeks in the, in the dormitory and they fed him breakfast and they fed him lunch. And uh, so we had like 6 a.m. to 5 p.m., 5.30 p.m. every day for six weeks. And it was paid training. They started out at the time, I think it was $13 an hour. Wow. And uh, these guys were immediate high school grads. Oh, all right. All right. So like they graduated Saturday and they were working on Monday for it. Wow. Wow. And so after six weeks, we dispatched them to the field. And now some of those that the first year was 2016. Uh, and I was talking yesterday to one of our foremen and he's one of those guys. He's 24 years old, I think. That's awesome. And he's, he's running a crew he's Been putting sewer pipe in 26 feet deep for the last year. That's, That's awesome. Amazing. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I told him, he said, you've been putting pipe in this deeper than you are old. Yeah. And he's, he's killing it, you know, and he's just one example. So now, how do you phrase that when you talk to an elderly gentleman? In terms of what? <laughs> the, uh, oh, the age and the depth of the... Deeper than it's old? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not going to put any 60-foot deep pipe in. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, that like four more sticks to the end of that? Uh, experience. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, so we've that has been modified. COVID really disrupted that thing uh, because we just couldn't... Act, well, number one, we couldn't have access to the university... We didn't have access to students. And so this year we're, we're only going to have maybe six or eight kids. Uh, and it's going to work. So we've truncated it some, it's going to be a few weeks instead of, but then we're going to put them all on a job together with one of our guys. They'll work with them to keep them safe and keep them trained. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and what we're part of what we do is when we bring them in, we do a lot of personal finance training with them too. Cause not, most of them never had a checkbook. Uh, they, they don't know anything about money, period. Yeah, that's a and, great program. Wow, you mean you're actually catching on to the school system that we are not being responsible teaching these right. young adults Basic growing up economics. about any, yes. money? Actually, we uh, 
this year we sponsored four different schools, Dave Ramsey program. Really? really? That's wow. like awesome. Each of the, it's a tech schools. And that's, that's very nice. It's that's, so needed in in the public education. Now, system. why do you why do you guys teach them finances? Why do you get involved right away? Because we feel strongly that somebody who has significant margins of safety in their life uh, is is going to be a better person, a better employee long term, but a better person outside work too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I say margin of safety, I'm talking about if. It, if well, put it this way, if there was a rope bridge that was designed to carry 300 pounds, my wife and I together weigh about 300 pounds. I would not take her across that rope bridge. Yeah, across the Grand Canyon, for mm-hmm. instance, I, I would want it to be designed for a thousand pounds. Sure, I want a margin of safety, and so we just feel like everyone needs a margin of safety in their finance. They need a margin of safety in in their professional life. And, you know, people build that margin of safety by being on time and being productive. And then if, you know, something happens and they're late, it's not you're fired, right? Yeah. But if if they're late every single day and then, you know, they screw up bad, it's like you've got no margin of safety. So we're just trying to teach them how to build a margin of safety. So just a problem stays a problem and not a crisis. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a, a burned up transmission is a problem. And we've got a thousand bucks in the bank to take care of that problem. Yeah. It's not a crisis. So that's really what it's, it's about. And we're just trying to make sure that they understand that they can have margins of safety in their life, in their relationships with their families. Uh, it's, it's like if I come home every night and I'm on time to the point I can, instead of going to the gin mill every until eight o'clock, I'm going to probably build a significant margin of safety in my relationship. Yeah. So we're just trying to get a mindset around that because, frankly, we're crazy people, right? We 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 all think no way we're going to die. Yeah. Right. So we're we're just kind of crazy that way, and and I'm trying to moderate that um, because I felt that way most of my life. Yeah. And and now looking, as almost a sixty year old guy, my wife. I really tested a lot of things that I shouldn't have tested. <laughs> <laughs> and trying to save the people that are coming up through from. So we're making that Dave, Dave Ramsey course available. We've got a pilot project in our company right now to, to do it with 10 people, see how it goes. And if it goes well, we're going to make it available to everyone. That's and awesome. That is amazing. awesome. Yeah. And thanks for doing that for the people in general. Um, yeah. As you touch about this stuff, some of the topics that we've always covered, and you're you're a very humble individual for the company. How has mental health been dealt with, and how do you see that these days, especially on a scale of that large yeah. of a company? Yeah, with four hundred employees, and you see people struggling, and how do you recognize, and how do you guys deal with that, and how do you check in with these individuals anymore? So, so that's kind of what we're trying to do. It's like it's much it's much better to deal with a hazard than to deal with an injury. Yeah, and, and so in the same way, we're trying to give people ways to be resilient in their lives, so they don't have all this stress and pressure of finance, and relationship problems, and work problems. We're trying to just make them aware that if they just build some, uh, you know, an extra layer of skin 
a safety net. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be better. But with that said, I was, I was literally counting it up. yesterday. Uh, I know personally six people in this industry committed suicide. Wow. Uh, and some, some were coworkers and, you know, I, I haven't figured out how to deal with that, but on our podcast, you know, we, our COO, Eric, CFO, Tasha, and are very often telling people, listen, if there, if you got an issue, don't stay on an island. Yeah. Call reach out and talk to someone. Yep. One of us. Yeah. Uh, and, and we've, we've even talked, I've got to figure out how we can, we've even talked about a support group in the company that, you know, that meets every so often people could access that if they wanted to. Uh, but there's, there's a lot of potential issues with that because everybody knows each other. Yeah. 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 Yep. You don't okay. see like a third party support group. Yeah. And I just want to, I've got to do some more research on that. Yeah. See if we can, I, because I don't want people to, to be on an island. I, I want, I want them to, if they got a problem, call me. Yeah. You know, and not that I need 400 people calling me or texting me. Um, you know, because then you'll be, be on an island. <laughs> yeah, I'll be on an island. Uh, but you know, people. We're, we're trying to make sure, and construction supervisors haven't been known historically to be wellsprings of empathy. Yep. Right? Yes. Yes. So, so we're trying to make sure our folks give that consideration. You know that if, if see somebody's acting a little different. Let's just go put our arm around and ask what's going on. Yeah. You know, is there help with? Just doing so, that little step goes yeah, a million just, miles. Just just that. And and if they can then they can report to us, they can, uh, Joe's got an issue going through divorce and maybe it'd be better to move them closer to home for some period. And those are the types of things that we're trying to keep our eye on. So if somebody's got a challenge, you know, those challenges are wide when you're away from home. So, you know, just trying to get them closer to home and places where they get time off to go what they need to do to navigate whatever price it is. Herb, we're losing you there. Yeah, it sounds like the signal's cutting out. Are you moving around at all on your end? I'm not. But huh. Or are you no, on that I'm island? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for whatever reason, the signal's We just started goofing out. Yep. So... Uh, now I'm outside on the porch. Gotcha. There you go. So Herb, if you could give any advice to young people, men and women thinking about getting into the skilled trades at all, what would it be? I would say find a place that you think aligns with what you want your values to be. Mm -hmm. uh, everyone's hiring, so you can get a job anywhere. Yeah. But I, I would spend the time to, to look at it and figure out what companies, you know, really value investing in people and what companies really value um, the whole person's being well and, uh, and being productive. Mm -hmm. and, and that shows teamsmanship and, and camaraderie and, uh, you know, has, has a winning vibe to it. Uh, there's a lot of companies out there that don't have all that. And, you know, we don't have it all everywhere all the time either, but, uh, 
you know, that's what I would say. Find some place that that shows that they move people up. Yeah, that is awesome. And if you could describe Sergeant Construction there, what what would you describe it as? Looking at it from a third point of view, that you would want the public to see. I would want them to look at us and say that company is taking infrastructure money and leveraging it to build people. Wow. That's, that's that a is, great that statement. Is, that's great. Yeah. Very moving. Yeah. That is awesome. That's so, you know, our, our core purpose is to build. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about it internally, especially on our podcast, it's not just to build highways. It's not just our core purpose. is really to build people. And we leverage the money that people pay us to go build great projects for that's that's kind of the way we look at it. I, I wish so badly, and, and in all honesty, with all of the platforms we work on, uh, that's part of what we're trying to convey to the trades is more people need to think that way. People shouldn't be just this... Number. Th- yeah, they shouldn't be a number or just a resource that we burn through. We should be re- really the focus of everything that we should be doing should be about the people. Right. And that's, you know, I just have such a deep love for our people and such a, a deep respect for our people and, and yeah. what they do. And, and you know, the people in the world uh, that they're helping that don't even know they're helping, you know, they're, they're the way I look at it, they're out doing out there doing God's work to make it better yeah. for people. You know, kind of said it better, and and that's I I think that's why I was initially drawn to the trades, and that's why I have such a passion about it is is because at the end of the day, you have an entire industry of people that are very frequently overlooked entirely, uh, kind of like the infrastructure we were just talking about with with the uh, the the project there in Maine. Right. Most tradesmen are kind of a part of that project. People don't really pay attention to what's going on outside of there's an inconvenience in my daily commute. And once it's gone, people don't really care about the people that put it in place and all the blood, sweat, and tears that went into that project yep. that allows them to do something as easy as flush a toilet. Right. And so yeah. I just that's that's a beautiful thing about the trades that it doesn't matter if if you disagree with your coworker, at the end of the day, we're I love that aspect of the brotherhood of the trades that we're all in this together, yep. taking care of each other and paying attention to each other where the rest of the world doesn't really care. Closed mind. Yeah. Well, it really strikes a nerve, especially over here in Michigan, like for what we're trying to do, but to hear someone like you invest in just people like us, you know, is very touching, honestly. And to, we're sure it was to, more. Yeah. To hear something like you, it's one in a million, like, we've been talking about it and thumping our chest about it for a while. And, you know, we are somebody and investing in people and you're not just a number, but to actually hear from somebody's voice and the decisions that you've made to invest in those people and let it carry on. Um, just thank Speaks you. Numbers. Well, thank you. It's, it, it takes a lot of intentionality to make it happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know how you can, you can get busy as a company and as a person and, you know, I'll get to that tomorrow. I'll get to that tomorrow, but you've got to put it front center. Yeah. And we've got a great team in our workforce advancement team, Kevin Gordon and Pete Perizzo and Kendall Bickford, that our people look up to them like they're, they're just superheroes. And, and they're out there talking to our people and, and asking, do you have your 401k set up yet? 
Yeah. No. Okay, well, you better get it set up. Here's how we're going to get you set up. Do you have your health savings account set up? Well, no. Well, you're missing the $1,000 company match on that, so you need to get that set up. And trying to get these folks so that they, they're taken care of, you know, we can't do it all for them, but we're trying to push them the best we can. To- mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Herb, we want to ask on this last note, if you could change anything, what would your dream job be? Man, you know, <laughs> I got my dream job. I really do. It, Bam. I've, Love it. You know, I've, I've had this opportunity to, as I said, to to grab hold of a legacy that started long before I got here and, and that, to my mind, was really a risk. Yeah, huge. Uh, and to be able to, and you know, three, four, five hundred people that, Maybe their future was at risk, and to be able to to grab that and and build it, and hopefully perpetuate it. You know, we we think about things in in hundred year terms, as as opposed to back in eleven, twelve, thirteen, we were in survival mode. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. How are we going to get through this year? And now we can make decisions on investing in people and investing in equipment that, or investing in natural resources that have you know, hundred year terms. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, there's, there's such a freedom to that. that I can't, I can't express how much freedom there is to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't mean just blowing money. I mean, doing things that strategically make the company strong and, and make it good for our customers. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, you know, the best part of it, you, you, you have through audio painted this Disney princess picture as you talk about <laughs> how great you've had this job because in the background I don't know if you're pa- there's conscious birds of it. Chirping yeah, there's birds chirping behind you. I mean, you're talking it's about ma- it's, it's just been perfect. Yeah. You're living your, <laughs> that your was dream. a great answer. <laughs> now, yeah. if somebody wanted to get a hold of you Herb and possibly maybe join your academy or come to work or whatever, how would they do that? Well, so they can go to sergeant.us our website and uh, they go to the careers tab on the website and they can follow down. They can see open positions. There's actually a place for our academy there. There's a couple of videos about the academy. So they can they can go there uh, is the best place to go. And they can actually fill an application out online. Okay. Very cool. Perfect. Well, thank you yeah, for joining thank us. Thank you so much for having you on. on. This was great. Yeah, I, I, I'm still at the airport in Michigan. I thought you guys were going to pick me up. <laughs> oh, I'm on my way well, right now. We yeah, Matt's Uber. actually got a jet, so he can <laughs> yeah. pick you up on the way. We got an Uber coming, Herb. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, it was great talking to you. Thank you guys all for listening. Uh, as always, if you're on, well, like I said the other night, if it's not even restricted to Apple anymore. Spotify. On a, Spotify, any of the platforms. Give us a rating. Give us a review to help us out. Check us out on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. You know where to if find us. If you got us. a great story, get a hold of us if you'd like to be on contact us we'd love to get you on here talk promote it absolutely talk to you guys that yeah that being said we'll catch you on the next episode of sweat and grind peace guys hey guys brian here this is the bonus content if you stick around uh, Rick and I actually got to have a really nice discussion with Herb. Unfortunately, Matt had to take off uh, right after the podcast, but Rick and I sat and had a good 20-minute discussion with Herb that was just too good to not include in the podcast. So from here on, this is the bonus content that actually happened after we were done podcasting. We were just letting the microphones run hot while we had a discussion. And like I said, just really, really solid content here. So hope you guys enjoy and we'll catch you guys next week on Sweat and Grime.
it sounds like we need to make our way out to Maine and enjoy some lobster and crab legs. Well, we were and, just talking you know, about that, so that'd be fun to come out and see <laughs> yeah, her. I, 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 I got a place I can take. I just took my son to lunch earlier today, and uh, this place sells lobster rolls, and you, you literally have to eat like two-thirds of the lobster meat with a fork because there's so much. That sounds and, and, then you, and then you got your lobster roll. And instead, but we can uh, go to the grocery store here, and we can pay $40 for the—it the, looks like a, a crawdad. Yeah. We, go, we go to Red Lobster and get ripped. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now, Herb, how many more years are you going to continue pounding away payment there? You know, I don't. I haven't really figured that out. I I've got some soul searching to do on that front, um, because the important thing to me is that I'm never in the way. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't think I am now. And I've I've got some soul searching to do on that. I'm I'll be sixty next April, and you know, I'm having fun with it. I mean, this COVID thing has sucked for everybody. But yes. Yeah. COVID. You know. Yeah. And now we're following it up with, you know, Russia and Ukraine playing around. I mean, it's just, we can't catch, yeah, we can't, we can't catch a break. No, our scales over here are tilting like crazy. And yeah. Yeah. The downhill so, side. You know, I, I'm thinking three to five years, like I said, we'll be a hundred in 2026. And I'm thinking that may be the right time. Yeah. So are you guys, uh, high turnover company with employees or are you just everybody sticks around because they're pretty happy um we probably rotate through about 60 positions a year wow that's not bad um, not out of the numbers know, because we're seasonal you know that gives people a reason to leave yeah uh, but the bulk of our people if they come and stay their lifers years yeah, if they come and stay two years, I was thinking about this as a stat. I had to drive to Hartford, Connecticut a couple of days ago. And, you know, my mind gets racing on all the shit I wish I knew that I don't. <laughs> and, and, you know, if how many people come and stay a year? What's the average tenure they stick it out? If they stay two years, then what's their average tenure? Yeah. But if they come and stay five years, it's, it's going to be 30, 40, 50. That's awesome. We, now had, two, we had two brothers that retired at the same time at our company party one one ran the d8 and the other drove a low bed and uh and so we gave them both a model of a of a low bed driving with a d8 on it oh that's awesome and and they they both had been with the company for uh 51 years for one of them and 54 years for the wow. other. wow wow now obviously you guys are a pretty big influence out there in maine yeah. what what have you guys dealt with like at the state level for your success of the company and keeping employees around? Like what kind of difference and impact have you guys made? And then have you seen other states and people reach out kind of following, trying to follow your, your leadership with your footsteps? Yeah, I've had, since we became an ESOP in this newsletter, main biz did a story on us becoming an ESOP and we, we were the first construction company for decades become an ESOP. And so they put a story in and I, I started getting calls all the time and now I'm getting them from all over the country. I mean, I, it's probably every other week I'm on the phone with somebody and I'm glad to do it, you know, yeah. To, uh, I'm, I'm on the phone with somebody who's considering an ESOP people that I connect with on LinkedIn, you know, that I don't, I don't know at all, but want to want to talk ESOP. And I was just on the phone with someone last week and, so, but in state, there's a lot of people. There's probably 20 people that I've talked to that went on to become ESOP. Interesting. That's impressive. That's interesting. Yeah. 
Well, it sounds like you're on the same journey, except for we're just podcasting about it. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're putting into practice all the things we're trying to tell people to do. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. But what we've, what we've done, though, is, you know, like with this Dave Ramsey thing, instead of trying to roll it out across the company all at once, let's get 10 people and let's build some build a successful story around it. So then everybody else will want to get on that wagon. Yeah. So we're trying to do things either by project, like we have something we want to give a try. We do it on a specific project and prove it out or do it in a smaller region. So like our Virginia office or our New Hampshire office. So, you know, we don't, we don't stub our big toe on the whole company. It's just a small piece. A lot of these, these programs you're implementing and the things you're putting in place, if you're looking at it purely from a balance sheet perspective, it doesn't make sense for, for you guys as a company. And I love the fact that you're doing it, but for you guys as a company to just go invest time and money into teaching your employees how to save money, uh, What's the what's the big sell to your upper management team on doing those sort of things? Or is it the fact that you've got a team that all just thinks and realizes the value in that? Well, we we all want the best for our people. And we've all, the three of us, uh, us upper management, and really the, the next level down, we've all had our financial crises and personal crises. It's We don't want everybody to have to go through it. Now, reflecting back on... Your personal journey, you know, all business aside, all the 400 employees, what have you learned and what have you actually taken away from this whole ride? Well, um, it hasn't been an easy life, frankly. Yeah. I mean, my, my childhood was, was, we were here in Maine and, and my mom is from Georgia. Dad met her when he was in the service down there and, moved her up here, had four kids and then and they got divorced and we all moved back to Georgia with my mom. And it, it's, it's been kind of a struggle in a lot of ways, but for whatever reason, personally, I, I always drove down the road and thought about all the people that took me under their wing and all the people that were, were kind enough to me to give me some mentorship. And I always, I never reflected on that stuff in, the, in it, you know, my childhood. Mm-hmm. You know, all that stuff, um, I always drove down the road going, boy, you're one of the most fortunate sons of bitches you ever met, you know? Yeah. Because of all the people that had taken an interest in me. All the way back to my little league coach, you know, that that used to pick me up. He knew I didn't have a dad. And he'd pick me up and take me to games and practices. Hmm. You know, and I and I, I always kept in touch with him. And I, I took him a few years ago. I went down and took him out to lunch. And, and I said... You're the guy when I was on that baseball field was the only time I was safe in my childhood. Wow. Now, do you feel, do you feel like a lot of your childhood and your upbringing was a lot of the fuel to the fire of the motivation, the way you invest and try to help each, every employee that comes through the door? I I think it is. I, you know, I, I just remember the struggle. I remember my personal struggles and, you know, it's just such a, motivator to try to get people to not have to go through the same struggle. Yeah. You know, not, not miss payment, not, you know, the stress that thing puts you through and, and organize your life in a way that you can, you know, it's not like you're flying in the fog all the time. You know, I was an instrument instrument pilot for a while. And, you know, you sure are glad you have those instruments. Yeah. You know, but 
just having them so that they can see the horizon more clearly and things don't sneak up on them. Because being in your 20s, man, it's it's like walking through a haunted house and you're wondering what's going to jump off walls. Yeah. Yeah. You know, being in your 20s and 30s, you know, when you start having kids and there's just a lot. Life starts coming at you real fast. That's what I mean. Yeah. Big waves, you know, man. Big yeah. waves. You know, when, when you're flying instruments and you're coming in too fast, you know, everything just starts to pile up on you in a hurry. Yeah. You, know, you, you start missing your targets and, yeah. and uh, you know, the next thing you know, you're piled in the ground and just trying to get their vision. So this is, they got a broader field of vision and, and more self-aware of what they have for an impact on themselves and the people around them, you know, especially from a family standpoint. Yeah. Just, just really... I would say, you know, probably my upbringing has a lot to do with, with why I want people to not have to go through all that. Yeah. That is great. Now, is there any employee, any story that sticks out to you of just like the diamond in the rough, like the guy come in, come work for you. And now he's just killing it for you. Like, is there anybody that just sticks out in your company? Yeah. I, I wrote about this guy on LinkedIn. His name's Brian. And when I first started in business, a solid uh, name. Yeah. <laughs> he spells it with an I. Oh, well, we can't all be good. Awesome. <laughs> so he, uh, so I started in business and my brother and I started, it was called Sergeant and Sergeant. And I bid like 15 jobs and didn't come within a row of assholes on any of them. And I didn't have any advantage against these smaller guys. I, mean, I, I didn't own a single piece of equipment. And I didn't have just my brother and me for employees. And so I talked to my dad. I said, I got to change up my strategy. So there was a Walmart. This is when the big Walmart wave was going. And there was a Walmart coming into Bangor. And I said, I'm going to bid that job. And he said, shit, dude, that's a, like a $5 million job. And so I said, yeah, but we got, I got to do something. And the only other bidder is going to be HE Sergeant. Mm -hmm. And I know they know their cost. You know, so they're not going to give their equipment away. Plus, they have overhead. So I've got an advantage on them because I haven't got any overhead. Mm -hmm. So we bid the job, and uh, the guy called me up, got me down to his office, and he went through the scope of work and said, you know, this is what we're willing to pay you. And I said, oh, that's not enough, really. You know, you kind of cut me here and there. And he said, well, let me ask you a question. How much equipment do you have? I said, I don't have one piece. But I've got a dealer that, you know, I've got the dealers that are willing to rent me equipment. I've got that all set. He said, how many employees do you have? I said, well, I got my brother and me. But, uh, <laughs> but there's a Home Depot down the road with a couple of guys looking for day work. <laughs> no, the, no, there wasn't. There was no Home Depot. No? There was no, right, there was no Lowe's. There was no Home Depot. There was no Walmart. Yeah. Wow. So uh, I said, you know, I've got, I've had conversations with a number of people and we'll get it done. And he said, so you got no equipment, no people. Why should I hire you? And I said, because I'm going to stay awake at night and I'm going to, I'm going to make, make it happen. So you don't have to stay awake at night. And he said, all right. So, but we hadn't agreed on price. He said, let me think about this price. I walked out and HE Sergeant's business development guy was in the foyer. Hmm. And I turned around and walked back in the guy's office. And I said, can you hand me a piece of paper? And he did. And I said, this is a letter of intent. I'll give Sergeant Sergeant. And I wrote it out. This is the letter of intent to Sergeant Sergeant for this dollar value. 
and I handed it to him and I said, sign that. <laughs> and he signed it. <laughs> so I got my job. Wow. I, I knew that guy was going to go and undercut the living shit out of me no matter what happened. Yeah. It's a long way to get. Now I needed 50 people. Yeah. 1992, you could run an ad in the paper. Of course, there's no internet. Um, so I ran that in the paper and I had dozens of people coming in. I went to leave the office one day. And as I was walking out, this other guy was walking in and we just kind of exchanged pleasantries. And I got out the driveway and I called my brother on the landline. I said, that guy that just walked in, hire him. He said, you know him? I said, no, but I can just tell he's he's a woodcutter. He was wearing chaps, you know, heavy tight pants. Mm -hmm. He's had his work boots on. They were even tied. And uh, I said, hire that guy. And that guy's been with us for 30 years now, 31 years. Wow. And uh, he's the best dozer operator, the best blade hand we've got. Wow. And he's, you know, I consider him a friend of mine. Yeah. That's, I will say, that's one thing about having the longevity in one place like you have is the stories that come out of that and the relationships yeah. that these are not small, even, even though that's not necessarily the guy that you're having over to your house all the time and your buddies on that level, he's an employee. You have the depth of that relationship to where, yeah, he's, he's a First friend. Name yeah. Basis. You're, you're yeah. To have those sort of relate, that is such a rewarding thing. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, and, yeah, I, mean, I, I know his kids and know him and it's just, it's, it's, and they're just such good people. You guys know this. I mean, yeah. they're such good people. Yeah. There's so much humility most of the time in, in the people that are in this business. Yeah. And I mean, you every once in a while, the old time superintendent flares up, but. Sure. You know, you hit it right on the head though. Most people in this industry love what they do. And the humility is just there. They're most of them are honest, humble people that are just there love what they do, love the people that they're around, love the atmosphere. And it's like its own culture. It's sure. your own breed. Yep. You know, and then to, to find somebody like you that's investing in them is just awesome to hear. And you get started at a young age. I mean, when you get your hands on somebody that's coming right out of high school yeah. and, and you mold them, not by force, but you mold them into becoming an adult and a successful entrepreneur in your own company. Like what is that like? And what's the ride that you see with these young souls coming in that really they're yeah, innocent. They know nothing. Well, calling them souls is really the right way to put it too, because you know, I mean, we had kids come in and uh, the, like the first year we said, okay, we're going to start out at 13, but at the end of the Academy, it'll go to 14. What do you think about that? And he goes, well, I think that's awesome because my dad's been working for doing so woodcutter for 20 years and he's making 14 bucks an hour. Wow. And, uh, you know, so that kid comes in and it's like this young guy that I told you we, we made a form and he's been putting in pipe 20 something feet deep now for a couple of years. And, and he's made money every year since he got out of high school. Yeah. And we, we also hire people from the university of Maine and the university of New Hampshire and various schools, in Virginia, as interns in the middle of the, you know, in the summer mm -hmm. and we hire them and they become foreman too. And they've gone four years of school. And when they get out, these guys are making just as much as the college grant. Yep. You know, I meant to ask you, how has technology changed your business these days? Well, of course it's always changed. 
right? Yeah. It, it never wants to stop. And trying to keep on top of it is we've, we've got a committee that's watching everything that's coming out. And it's the kind of thing my grandfather used to have a saying, be not the first to try the new nor the last to set aside the old. Yeah. And, you know, so you have to be careful that you don't start investing in, in everything especially when you don't have the capacity or the bandwidth to implement it right. Yeah. And that's what we found is we've kind of overinvested in software here and there where we don't get our money's worth out of it. Yeah. Um, so, so we're, we're trying to be careful about it, but at the same time, we're trying to make sure we're staying on the cutting edge. Uh, but, you know, of course, everybody's got GPS dozers now or GPS excavators and, and drones now that are and, and doing topography and that sort of stuff. Um, really kind of the the technology that's served us the best is one of the oldest <laughs> it's, it's been the podcast i think is you know to, to just be able to talk to these guys and one of the guys made a comment to, to someone else is like it's like herbs riding the truck with me yeah I- and and to be able to just keep them up to speed on everything and, and drill down into the benefits. And, you know, the guys are like, their eyes glaze over when they talk, when you talk benefits, but if his wife's hearing it, she, she'll be like, Hey, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Let me hear that. So it's available to them all the time, you know, and they can go back and search through different things. Do you, uh, al- different episodes. Do you always find yourself looking for the next best thing to help your employees? whether it's healthcare, retirement, insurance, any, just anything counseling, are you always double checking stuff, looking further down the road to make sure everyone's getting the best that they can? So I'm, I made a, I made a list about a year ago, a year and a half ago of how can we bring value to employees? And some of the things, you know, are more tangible, like they help their bank account or whatever, Mm -hmm. or they help their, um, physical wellness. We have a wellness program that they can be part of that, you know, that if, if they get part of that wellness program, then they can get a match on their HSA, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And some of it is, some of it is less tangible, like the personal finance training, that sort of stuff. I'm always thinking about what are their, what are the challenges they're facing and what could we do that, that doesn't cost us money. You know, because frankly, there's only so much you can do. Like, I'd love to pay these guys a hundred bucks an hour, but we wouldn't get another job. Yeah, right. So trying to do things that don't cost us money, that have some kind of a meaningful, if not, even if not real tangible, but meaningful impact on them. Yeah. But I've also come to the, come to the conclusion that the best way for us to do that is get them in the mindset of helping each other and mentoring each other. Yeah. Because they can bring each other value in ways that I can. And so the way we put it with these guys is don't be a reservoir of knowledge. Yeah. Be a river of knowledge. Absolutely. And, and so don't store it up. Don't wait and let a guy make a mistake. Sometimes it's good to have people say, but sure. Have it be the kind of mistake. That's not embarrassing. That's not a learning curve. Yeah. It's it's, it's not costly. Yeah. Um, So just, just to be a river and, and don't, bottle up all this knowledge you've gained and, and take it with you, you know, yeah. let's share it. Yeah. Spot on. Well, thanks again, Herb. This has been awesome. We yeah. thoroughly Thank enjoyed you. the discussion. If you don't mind, I'm going to open a beer now. 
Oh, oh, you should you have been doing it the whole time. time. Yeah, we this was actually a far more uptight podcast than we typically do on this one. Just we wanted to be respectful of your time and everything. But yeah, by yeah. by all means, pop the beer. <laughs> <laughs> pop it. We're good so, to go. There you go. 